Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, brothers and sisters in Christ, you don't have to look very hard to find someone who has an opinion on something, do you? They let you know what they think or what they feel. Whether it's someone that you know personally, and I'm not going to ask you for names, or it's someone who is, oh, in the media, you typically know exactly what they think or feel because they tell you their opinion. Now, there are those people whose opinions we value. These are people who think through subjects, they give good advice, they're respectable, they handle things in a fair and even way. Uh, we might not always like the things that they have an opinion on, but uh, we at least take it to heart and, and hear them out. Then, of course, there are the other people who, well, we would prefer that they would just keep their mouths shut and keep their opinions to themselves. It's kind of like a fly buzzing around your head that you just can't swat. Here's the thing, though, with opinions. Opinions tend to be subjective. The one who has an opinion rarely bases uh, reality, uh, well, they base their reality on the way that they are seeing things. Opinions are, are me-centered. And so what happens is you take the facts, you filter through the individual's experiences and expectations, and out pops an interpretation package with a nice little personalized opinion. And those opinions are often given whether you ask for it or not. You know, in our gospel reading, though, for today, uh, in Mark, Jesus is, is actually asking for an opinion. He asks the question, who do people say that I am? Now, since Jesus isn't actually asking the people, but rather the disciples, it's kind of a setup for, well, what's the popular opinion? What's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? Well, the response is, well, either John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets. Well, that's a little vague. Let's dig into that a little bit. Why would people think that, that, that Jesus would be either uh, any of these three opinions? Well, let's start with, uh, with John the Baptist. In Mark 6.14, we read that King Herod heard that the twelve apostles were sent out by Jesus, proclaiming that people should repent, that demons were cast out in his name, and uh, that the sick were healed. And some, apparently more opinions, said that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. That's why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said Elijah, and others said he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, Ah, no, this is my opinion. John, whom I have beheaded, has been raised. And see, that was, that was Herod's opinion of who Jesus was. He was a, Jesus was a raised John the Baptist. Well, let's look at another one. Someone said Elijah. Why would, why would it be Elijah? Well, the Israelites of the day were anticipating the Messiah to come, but before the Messiah would come, the messenger from Isaiah would first need to come from the wilderness, crying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, recall how Jesus was with John in the Jordan and was baptized and was then led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days 
before coming into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Maybe Jesus was the messenger or the Elijah that was promised by Isaiah. Well, at least that seems to be what some people's opinion was. Others, maybe not being aware of all the details or maybe not as interested, formulated their own opinions and said, well, Jesus is at least a prophet. Well, it's hard to fathom that the multitudes that gathered around him were not aware of the details or disinterested, and yet that is what is recorded in Mark's gospel. Some people apparently had the opinion that Jesus was a prophet. Well, after Jesus asks these for, for the opinion, he pointedly turns to the twelve and asks them, but what about you? You guys have been with me. You have seen me in action. You have heard me address the crowds, drive out the demons, heal the sick, rebuke the Pharisees. What's your opinion of me? Who do you say that I am? So Peter, speaking for the twelve, as he often does, maybe looking over his shoulder at the, at the others uh, with a smirk of confidence as if to say, it's an easy one, I've got this, guys. Jesus, you are the Christ. And Jesus to Peter, that's right, Peter, I am. And don't tell anyone. You see, Peter got the, the title right based on the right facts. He had seen and he had heard what Jesus had been doing, but he, he still wasn't quite sure what that really meant. Not yet, anyway. Not until Jesus began to, to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. In this, he said plainly. He said it as a matter of fact. A fact that Peter and the others yet did not know, nor did they like. See, Peter and the others, we presume, didn't like hearing this at all. In fact, Peter is moved to rebuke Jesus, which never really works out all that well. Jesus rebukes Satan's temptation to circumvent all the, the suffering, the rejection, and the killing stuff, and announces to all who were there that day that if anyone would follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever who would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. Jesus wanted the disciples, the crowd, and us 
to know that any talk about Jesus without the shame of the cross is rubbish. Peter, the twelve, and all who follow after Jesus will in fact endure the cross, each one a custom one for us all. But there is a cross that is common to all of his followers. It involves speaking or giving witness or testimony about who Jesus actually is. It is tempting to speak of Jesus as only a prophet or a teacher or a a great healer or moral leader or wonderful communicator or whatever opinion we think that other people want to hear because, well, it seems embarrassing or foolish to speak of a suffering, crucified, and risen Savior. But see, that's who Jesus is revealing himself to be. We cannot have the Jesus of the Scriptures if we do not have his rejection, his suffering, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. We cannot follow after our Lord or pick up our crosses if we leave his out. We cannot speak faithfully about Jesus or what he has done through his cross and empty grave if we leave out these key facts of our witness. And that's not an opinion. See, Jesus reveals himself to be the Christ in his suffering and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And through these historical facts and the faithful witness of them, the Holy Spirit works to bring you and others to faith. What I mean is that as you are told and are told about the the crucified and risen Christ, the Holy Spirit is applying these historical facts to you. For it was for you that Christ suffered, died, and rose. His cross? Well, that was for you. He has called you now to take up your cross and follow him through your baptism. And he continues to assure you the forgiveness of your sin as you hear that he has been crucified and has been risen for you. He puts you in your vocations unique to you so that you might be one to give a faithful witness to those who are around you. To those who might have the opinion that Jesus was just a a great teacher, communicator, moral leader, or whatever their opinion is. No, he has revealed to you that he is so much more. And you are called to share that with those whom you know. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God who was crucified and who was risen to forgive the sin of the world, to forgive your sin, my sin, and the sin of those who you speak with. Even if they have different opinions of him. You know, brothers and sisters in Christ, our faithful witness of Jesus begins and it ends in the scriptures. For that's where Jesus has chosen to reveal himself. 
Our faithful witness of Jesus is never based on our opinions of who Jesus is, but on who Jesus says that he is. Just consider how wonderful, wonderfully freeing that is. If our witness was based on our opinions about who Jesus was or is, then we would either be converting or trying to convert others to follow us and our opinions, or we would have people really rejecting us or our opinions. I mean, how condemning would that be on both sides of the fence? But when we speak of what the Lord himself reveals, see, then our witness is not based on us, but it is based on Christ. It doesn't matter what our opinions are of it. It matters what the faithful witness of the scriptures are. For it's based on Christ and his word. Those who don't believe don't believe in us, they believe in Christ. And those who reject, do not reject us, but ultimately Christ himself. So when you speak of Christ, it's not because it's your opinion that Jesus died to forgive our sin. No, that is the gospel truth. When you speak of Christ, it's not because it's your opinion that he was raised from the dead after three days. No, that's the gospel truth. When you speak of Christ and give faithful witness to all that he has come to do, it is never about your opinion. It is always because he first came to suffer and to die and rise again for you. And that is the gospel truth. Thanks be to God. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.